Good morning. It is great to see everyone today. Uh, our high schoolers, many of them, are off on a retreat this weekend, this morning. So I'll be praying for them, about 30 of them, with Garrett and some of the sponsors and all that. That's why it seems a little different. When you take 30 high school kids out of the equation, it feels a little different. So uh, I've got some family. Do I have family here? They're supposed to be. Oh, they're all way back there. They've heard me preach before, so they're way in the back. And uh, do, Josh and Krista, I think. Josh used to be worshiping. Where are you, Josh? They're back there. They've heard me preach, too, and so they're way back there. Anyway, we, had, we celebrated my mother's 95th birthday yesterday, and yeah, you can give her a hand. I'll tell her you clap for her. She's not here. Uh, she came to first service, and we had some family first service as well, but it was really wonderful. Mom raised us to love Jesus. She really did, and she, she was just, uh, had a great influence in our lives. And you can go ahead and ask these family members anything you want to about me, what they know about me, past or present. Uh, I don't care what they say. Um, I'll just tell you one thing. They are all liars. <laughs> and I'm glad Mom's not here because she does tell the truth, and she would... Uh, but anyway, we had a great celebration yesterday, and it's good to have them here today. We're in a series called 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. Just as a medical doctor will do a checkup and diagnosis how we're doing physically, this is our spiritual checkup. So just as a medical doctor uses tests and questions, we're using some tests and questions to see how we're doing in our spiritual walk. Question number one, we talked about four weeks ago, is do you thirst for God? Do you want God? Not just the blessings of God or the benefits of God, not do you like God or do you believe in God, but do you really want God? Do you want a relationship with Him? Test number two, are you governed increasingly by God's Word? Is His Word guiding your life? Is it getting into your life? Or is the culture and your opinions guiding your life? Number three, are you more loving? Casey addressed this last week, a very fine message. Uh, in fact, I want you to stand up right now. Let's stand up again. And I want you to greet at least one of the person. I told you I was going to do this last week. Were you more loving this week because of Casey's sermon? Just ask, were you more loving this week? Ask one person. Okay, all right, you may be seated. Today's test, today's question, number four, are you more sensitive to God's presence? When is the last time you thought, God is in this place? God spoke to me. May have been a powerful sermon, may have been a powerful song, or out in nature, or maybe during a prayer time. Sometimes funerals and weddings, I can sense the presence of God there. Most of the time with me, however, God speaks through the Bible and through sermons. And knowing how much sermons have impacted me, especially when I was younger, I, I was thinking, I want to be one of those guys. I want to be able to have that kind of impact through a message. Sometime during this series, uh, just as a sidelight, I'm going to talk about the different spiritual pathways to God because we're all created uniquely and we all have different ways of relating to Him. Uh, like I said, for me, sermons are big. Uh, for others, music is huge. For others, it's people and fellowship. But there are still some basics that are true for all of us. Like these 10 questions, they fit everyone. We all need to be sensitive to God's presence. We all need to thirst for God. We all need to be governed by His Word. We all need to be growing in love. So today, how often 
Are you aware of his presence? I like what the five-year-old girl said. She said, I know Jesus lives in my heart because when I put my hand on it, I can feel him walking in there. That's the kind of presence I want to be aware of, of God in my life. Now, I'm going to show you a painting this morning. I'm, not, I'm sure that most of you have seen this. This is Michelangelo's painting of God and Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And I want you to notice the figure of God on the right. He's extended toward the man with great vigor. He twists his body to move it as close to the man as possible. His head is turned. His gaze focuses on the man. His arm is stretched out. His index finger extended straight forward. Every muscle is tight. God is reaching out to Adam to connect with him. And then look at Adam. His arm is partially extended toward God, but his body is reclined in this kind of lazy pose, leaning backwards as if he's maybe kind of interested. His finger and hand are limp. Just doesn't look as engaged. Maybe he's indifferent to the possibility of touching his creator. And I want to make two observations from that painting. Number one, the story of the Bible is not primarily about the desire of people to be with God. The story of the Bible is about the desire of God to be with people. God is the initiator. And God is putting in a lot more effort into this than the man is. God wants to be present in your life, and he wants to have a relationship with you. Second observation, God is not that far away. All Adam would have to do is lift a finger. And this picture reminds us God is closer than we think. He's not this far, distant, unreachable deity. Because of Jesus Christ, the chasm between God and humanity has been bridged. Now, I have a picture of my grandchildren on my phone screensaver. I love looking at that picture. I really do. I just... Anyway. But then I think I'd much rather be with those kids in person and experience that run up to you and the hugs and the laughs and things and building that connection. Well, your picture is on God's screensaver. But more than that, he wants to be with you. In fact, the central promise in the Bible is not, I will forgive you. The most frequent promise in the Bible is, I will be with you. Adam and Eve experienced God's presence. He walked with them in the cool of the day. The promise of God's presence was to Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and Amos and Mary and Paul. And very often the Bible says, do not be afraid because the Lord your God is with you and will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So he wants to be present in your life. But we need to understand there are several meanings when we talk about the presence of God. There's the universal presence called his omnipresence. He is everywhere. There's no place where God is not. So God is in this place right now. There's this Christological presence of God. God come in the flesh. He was and is present in Jesus, Emmanuel. This is God with us. There's the indwelling presence of God. That's the Holy Spirit present in followers of Jesus in a distinct and unique way that he is not present in unbelievers. There's a perceptible presence of God. God's presence is perceived by his work or his influence. There's the heavenly presence of God. His presence is manifested in heaven as in no other place. In fact, it's his presence that makes it heaven. And then there's the eternal presence of God. His presence is endless, going back forever and going forward forever. And all those are important to understand his presence. We are surrounded by God uh, like the air surrounds us constantly. We don't usually think about the air, but it is there keeping us alive and giving us breath. Acts 17 kind of hints at this, says, In him we move and have our being. And if God were ever to remove his presence, 
we have immediately death and nothingness. So today our focus is the perceptible presence. Are you increasingly aware of his presence? Do you have a daily, hourly awareness of his presence in your life? And if not, what's the prescription? I want to show a picture of a guy up here. You recognize him? Yeah, Waldo. Very good. That uh, is a series of children's book. It's actually about 30 years old now when that first came out. I went to the library to check out one of the Where's Waldo books. Uh, they didn't have them anymore. So they got worn out. They're just so popular. So this guy, Waldo, is supposed to be on every page of the book, this geeky-looking, glasses-wearing nerd with a striped shirt and a goofy hat. And the author assures us Waldo is on every page of the book. But he's often hidden. You have to be willing to look for him. The author said he likes to hide Waldo so children can learn to be aware of what's going on around them, to see wonder in places that it may not have occurred to them, to look more intently. And it sometimes takes a while to find Waldo. It demands patience. Some people are better at it than others. Some people just give up after a while. And here's one example of one page of finding Waldo. And part of what makes it hard to find him, I still haven't found him in there, what makes it hard is he blends in. And in every one of the pages, his presence is obvious, is, or is, is not obvious. I want to say this. In the early pages, his presence is obvious. He stands out. He might be there and hiding, but there's sea monsters or giants, and you can see the, the difference. But as you get farther into the book, it gets harder and harder to find him because he starts blending in. And then Here's the next one. By the end of the, room, of the book, he's at, in a room full of Waldos. They're all identical to himself. The only distinction being that one detail might be different. Like maybe he has a shoe missing. So he's not absent. He's there. But he's not always, always obviously seen. You can be looking right at Waldo and not even know it. God is easy to find on some pages of our life. Like Moses saw the burning bush. Or Noah and the... The, the rainbow. It was very clear on those days, God is here. God is doing something. Personally, I've never witnessed a physical visitation of God or Jesus that I know of. I've never heard a voice from heaven. I have had some moments, like when my children were born, there was such an overwhelming sense that this was more than just a blob of tissue that has entered into the world. I knew that there was something special here. I'd been invited to witness something supernatural, so overwhelming that it was as if God himself were in the room, which he was. And maybe that's why some wives say his name a lot during labor. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, but the birth of my children would be one of those burning bush days, rainbow days. Those are the days when your life is filled with too much meaning, too much goodness for you to believe this is simply by chance. I still remember a sermon I heard 40 years ago. It was a burning bush sermon. God spoke. And on burning bush days, God seems to speak to you personally. It might be through scripture. It might be through another person. It might be through some sense you get. And the Bible is clear. God is on every page of your life. In him, we, have our, we move and have our being. But most of the time, there's no burning bush. There's no rainbow. He's present. And we can find him if we're looking. But we're not always attentive. And he's not always easy to see. Which makes you wonder, why doesn't he make himself more obvious? Why doesn't he give, give us more burning bush days and make, make his presence known? All I can say is apparently he wants us to learn to see him in the ordinary. Rather than being dependent on the extraordinary. 
God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Now, in other times, God has been present in the wind, but not this time. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. At other times, God has been, but not this time. After the earthquake came a fire, sometimes in the fire, sometimes not. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, by the way, the word there for gentle whisper is the sound of silence. I wonder what Elijah heard. What is the sound of silence? He pulled his cloak over his face because he was in the presence of the Lord and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. So God's presence in that case was not in the powerful. And I believe, more often than not for most of us, God is more present in the still and silence than he is in the noise of life. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe if God is always easily seen, it'd be like a mother who inadvertently trains her children to pay attention only when she yells at them. When we raise the volume level to get a child's attention, they pretty much, they, they start to tune us out. But when you lower your voice and mom and dad start speaking something in private with each other and whispering, the kids become attentive. Maybe the reason God lowers his voice so we will learn to pay attention. He wants to be known. He's reaching out. We know that. But usually not in a way that overwhelms us because it takes away the possibility of faith and the freely chosen love. He is present right now. But are we aware? After the resurrection, Mary Magdalene was looking right at Jesus and thought he was the landscaping guy. He looked so ordinary. He fit in like Waldo. Two men on the road to Emmaus had Jesus walking right with them, conversing with them. They didn't know it. So often God is there. We're just unaware. God showed up in the flesh, but he looked so ordinary. He had no majesty that we should be attracted to him, despised and rejected by men. That sure doesn't look like God to me. Where's God? Where's Waldo? Every page of your life. He's often in the ordinary. So, what would an ordinary day with God look like? How can I be aware of his presence? Let's spend a day with God. Spending time with God, I'm going to suggest to you, really does not have to involve a whole lot of different things from what you already do. It mostly involves learning to do what you already do in a new way. First thing in the morning, before you get out of bed, the first thought is God. Before your feet touch the floor, God, what's this day going to bring? How are you going to bless it? Please guide me, help me, be my constant companion. Fill me with uh, my interaction so that, so that my interaction will be from you. Before your feet hit the floor, God is already with you. Are you aware of him? I have the Bible on my phone, so sometimes I will pull up a psalm before getting out of bed and read a psalm for the morning and maybe take a phrase and make that the mantra for the day. Wednesday, Psalm 46 uh, was my psalm. It says, God is my refuge and strength. That became my Wednesday mantra, and I really needed that because Ellen and I worked in the nursery Wednesday night, and I needed God as my refuge and strength. In fact, I took it literally, and I hid a couple times. He's my refuge. Washing in the morning is something we can do with God. I assume most of you clean up. I hope you do. In ancient times, washing was symbolic as a part of your, your life before God. It served as a reminder of the need of our souls to be cleansed. So when you're washing your face or taking a shower, think, God, just as this soap and water is cleansing my body, may your word and spirit cleanse my mind and my heart, get rid of the impurities today, 
purify me from wrong attitudes. When you're shaving, you know, you know, get the stubble out of my life. Those little thoughts or sins that could become a big bushy problem if you're, they're, not, they're not shaved now. You have to wash up anyway. Why not do it with God? And then take a moment to remember that you have been cleansed by God and your sins have been washed away forever. You are clean through Christ. And then I, I want to really encourage you to stop at least twice a day. Now, this is one thing that might be different from your normal pattern. Let yourself be still for a few moments. Be still and know that he is God. Maybe once before breakfast and then once after lunch, you know, whatever works for you. Uh, you can pull up a scripture on your phone, let, have, let God have a word with you, and take two minutes to be still. And you know t- two minutes is a long, long time for us Americans to be still. But it's a very important part, very important, important part of our practicing the presence of God. It means you're going to allow him to speak to you in the quiet. I've been using this book. I have it in your bulletin there too. It's uh, basically you stop twice a day and it has 40 days for you. And I'm going through it for the second time. You could probably go through it several times and never get dry on this. But the scriptures are printed out for you. There's a brief devotion. A prayer is printed out for each one. They're very brief. But the key is you need to be still. Was that about 10 seconds? Still for two minutes. It'll test you. Before and after is what they recommend. And you read through this. We've got to stop the hurry sickness. Twice a day. And that will help you so much in your awareness for the rest of the day. Meals. You're going to eat. And food is a gift from God. Stop and notice your food. Remember God's goodness to you and thank him. It may even affect what you eat if you're eating with God. Because what you eat will have an effect on your spiritual and emotional life. So eat to his glory. And instead of meaningless words, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, you know, that kind of prayer, just stop and think. And of course, uh, it's great to do with your kids, to teach them. Eat with God in mind. What a blessing are taste buds. You know, what would it would be like if eating were not pleasurable? Here's another idea. I didn't know whether to include this or not, but uh, anyway, for the ancient Hebrews... The other end of the digestive process was also a gift from God. You know what I mean? And there's actually a prayer for while you're going to the bathroom. Blessed art thou, O God, who has made the openings in my body. And I'm so tempted to use bathroom humor here that I think I will. (laughs) This is the bad joke for the day, okay? By the way, someone asked Casey a couple weeks ago if he had the same joke I had, same joke book, and I think that was an insult. Um, but what would you find in Superman's bathroom? The Super Bowl. You fans of bears wouldn't know anything about that, I know. Okay, work. <laughs> Many of you will go to work tomorrow, and because we invest so much of our time in work, it is perhaps the single most important activity to learn to do together with Jesus. So start the workday by inviting Jesus to be present with you. Instead of worrying about the tasks for the day, begin by asking God if we can partner together with these tasks. You have to go to work anyway, so why not do it with God? It might be helpful to have certain physical reminders of God's presence nearby, some of you more visually oriented, so plaques on the wall or something that says joy or courage or love or some picture or a sticky note on your mirror can be a reminder. Physical actions, when you, when you stop twice a day, use the hands down, hands up, up exercise that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. You just sit quiet for a while. Your hands down is symbolic 
of just letting go, letting go of the negative, letting go of uh, bad attitudes, letting go of anger you might be going through or some fear or anxiety. You can almost feel it leaving you at times, really. Letting go. Use the physical to help you with the spiritual. And then hands up is symbolic, okay, I've been cleansed, and now I'm going to take in God's presence. I'm going to take in the gifts of God, you know, the Holy Spirit, his word, his spirit in a more powerful way. Your physical actions can help you focus spiritually. Take a walk with Jesus. Imagine Jesus walking alongside of you or get on your knees to show your desire to submit to him. Use the body to enhance the spiritual. Interruptions. What would have Jesus' ministry look like if he had never allowed himself to be interrupted? Man, some of his greatest miracles and most unforgettable encounters were spirit-prompted interruptions. So see them as God moments. God is changing my plans by sending this person with a request or a problem or a challenge. And with any interruption, ask, okay, God, what are you up to? Because I know you're here. You're present. What do you want me to do? God is closer than you think. It's right there. Two weeks ago, tonight, we got a knock on the door. J.C. Coogan came in. J.C. and Joyce have been coming to first service now. Uh, so they're not here, but they were here this morning. Most of you know J.C.'s story, his family, the loss of their 12-year-old son, Caleb. God spoke to Ellen and I that night for 45 minutes through J.C. Coogan. And it was a God moment, because he was telling about all the God moments in their lives since that, that event. He's there. We just have to be open and vulnerable. How about standing in line? Now, that can be an exercise in frustration, or it can be a moment where you look at your fellow standers and engage them, or maybe say a silent prayer blessing for them, or you can just practice patience. God, what are you teaching me here? Love is patient. Fruit of the Spirit is patience. God, how do you want me to respond? God is with you every page of your life. How about driving? What would we like to drive with Jesus? Would you have to drive differently? Would you have to start talking differently to other drivers? Would you have to make different sign languages to them? Or you have a different demeanor while driving? How about reading the paper, you know, news, TV nightly news, when you get frustrated? What would it be like to watch it with God on your side, or by your side? You get the news on your phone. What would change? Social media. What would it be like to put something on social media with Jesus? <laughs> yeah. You talk to him about what you read or what you post. Uh, maybe you're a television watcher. That's not a sin. Some people feel guilty about watching TV, and so they just kind of pretend God doesn't exist while they got the tube on, kind of like the five-year-old boy who closes his eyes when he goes to the cookie jar, under the theory that if you can't see, he can't see anything, then his parents can't see either. No, go ahead and watch, but watch it with Jesus. If you're enjoying it, tell him, and if you wonder if you're watching too much or watching the wrong things, trust that he'll speak to you about it. He'll put something in your mind. Now, some of you might think, well, it sounds like Jesus is going to take away my fun. No, no, no. Here's what will happen. You'll become richer and deeper and better. You'll become healthier. You will feel better. Exercise him. Listen to, one, to somebody's sermon. Listen to music or talk to God. He has blessed you with a body. and You can be reminded of your responsibility to care for it and Think of the bodily resurrection where you'll no longer have this faltering body. Interacting with family and people, that's a huge one. We could do a whole sermon on that. You, know, you just say, say, God, let your spirit train my responses and reactions. Help me to be patient and kind and not envying all those things in 1 Corinthians 13. Take an ordinary day. Don't attempt to do a lot of new things. 
do the things you normally do. Just stop, just take a couple of breaks and do it with God. Often we say uh, to someone when we're leaving, have a good day. Etymologically, the origin of the word good is from God. So you're saying, have a God day. Tell the person next to you right now, have a God day. See, ordinary days are not ordinary. Every day is filled with his presence. Now you're going to have to practice, and you're going to have to look for him, but his presence will get more real the more you practice. And then at the end of the day, you review. I think it's best do this in bed right before going to sleep. Three parts to it. Number one, where did I see God's goodness? What were the God moments of this day? Where were the surprises? Thank him for those moments. Number two, what were the disappointments? Areas where I did not allow God to guide me. I got angry. I fretted. Uh, You'll become much more aware of sin, by the way, if you have more awareness of God in your life. And that's going to be another sermon. But actually, that's a wonderful thing. It's actually a good thing to be more aware of your sin. It's actually refreshing, and it brings you closer to God. But what were the failures of the day and the disappointments? And then third, how can I respond in the future in a better way? You know, think and pray about how I can handle these future encounters because they're probably going to happen again. You know, those challenges, how, how, Lord, do you want me to handle those? Have you seen anything in God this morning? Music? Will you sense God's presence in the communion we're going to have in a moment? He's in it. How about the offering? He's here. It's just awareness. Um, I just threw this in last minute. I was thinking about my mom with her birthday and everything. Her mind is still quite good. And uh, I get to take communion to her every Tuesday out at Bonderley. And I've never taken communion to my mother one-on-one before. I just kind of wonder how that'd be, because she's a giant spiritually compared to me. But it, so, I, so I take communion to her. I pray over the emblems like I always do. I give her the emblems. She take, and she's meditating. And I'm starting to put it away. And she starts praying. And the first time she did that, I thought, well, she didn't think I prayed well enough. And so she wanted to make amends. <laughs> it wasn't. She does that every time. And I'll tell you, it's a God moment. I wish everybody could experience that with their mother. Have you seen God in anything yet today? Will you? He's there every page of your life. One other thing, being with God is something that takes place primarily in our thoughts, in our mind. He is never more than a thought away, but you have to train it. You have to fill it with God's word. Uh, cognitive psychologists say that every thought you have carries a little emotional charge. Every thought will pull us toward or away from some emotions like anger or joy or fear or peace. In one experiment, subjects were uh, to complete the sentence, I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm not a terrorist. I'm glad I'm not a crook. I'm glad I'm not a politician. I'm glad I'm not a youth minister. I'm glad I'm not a two-year-old, whatever you want to put in there. And people who completed that five times ended up feeling better than, after, than when they started. I'm glad I'm not those things. On the other hand, subjects who completed the sentence, I wish I were, I wish I were better looking, I wish I were a better preacher, I wish I were smarter, I wish I were more athletic. Those who completed that phrase felt worse. Every thought carries positive or negative charge, just a little one. And I want to suggest to you that in the same way, all our thoughts carry with them a spiritual charge. Paul says the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace, positive charge. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death, negative charge. 
No thought is neutral. And the mind that shuts itself off from the presence of God will tend towards death. And the mind that is aware of the presence of God will tend toward life. Every thought either brings you closer to God or farther from him. That's why you have to meditate on Scripture. That's why you have to have weekly communion and weekly worship and fellowship with God's people and daily awareness to fill your mind with his presence. Where is God? Every page of your life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you open our eyes and our minds and our hearts and make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of your constant working in our lives because you're there. We know that. We were created for you. We were made to have our being in you. This is the sweet spot. This is where it's good. And Lord, as you said in your word, taste the Lord and see that he is good. That is our prayer today. That is our hope for us, for every one of us and for everyone around us. And that is to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name.